0: western and southern financial group put our financial strength behind you it's easy to get started visit westernsouthern.com
1: now batting number one in our hearts
0: at least he'd like to think so it's the Jim day podcast all right here we are again Another edition of the Gym Day Podcast. Welcome in wherever you're listening. However you're listening. Thanks for checking us out. And should be a fun conversation today. He is the 1977 National League MVP. He led the league in home runs 77-78. RBIs in 76, 77, and 78 won a silver slugger award in 1981. And of course. A member of the Big Red Machine, two-time World Series champion, and in 2003, he was inducted into the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. He is George Arthur Foster. George, how you Arthur. doing?
1: Arthur. Nobody knew Arthur. Yeah, that's that's a royalty author. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it is. No, but it's uh, those those statue been reading off. You know, you know. Like, did I do all that? This, he was a bad man. He, he did it. <laughs> well, I heard pitchers said, you know, I would go up to the plate. You're like, you know, my ERA is going to go up now because George Foster's at the plate.
0: <laughs> hey, man, you were feared, though, back then. You might be saying it a little bit in jest, but you were, in that era, one of the most feared hitters on the planet. And you had that you had that look, too, man. And you, you were cut, and then you were one of the first guys, I think, that— you had the black bat going on. It was you were just intimidating.
1: Well, some of the things that you said, cut. I said I didn't really realize how cut I was, and you know, I had okay, I had a thirty-one inch waist. I'd say, wow, where has that gone? But using the <laughs> black bat, guys in in uh, Pittsburgh would say, man, we couldn't see the bat going through the hitting zone. I said, why are you worried about it? The Ball's gonna be in the, in the stands anyway. You don't have to chase it down. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's tremendous. You, You know, people, when they talk about the big red machine, they say, well, the final piece of the puzzle was when they traded to get Joe Morgan to come over here. And that was, of course, a major, major piece of the puzzle. But really, even though you're already still on the team in 75, when Pete Rose moved to third base and you were inserted into left field in the everyday lineup, that was the final piece of the puzzle to me. How did that go down for you? Did you just show up one day and you were in the starting lineup in left field and you stayed there, or did Sparky talk to you about it?
1: Well, Sparky called me into his office, and, you know, at the time, I I was enjoying myself playing every fourth day just like a pitcher. You know, go out there and pitch one day, and you're off three or four days, and i will be in platoon and say, well – you know, now I got to play every day. He said, "You're gonna get a chance to play every day." And I said, "Every day? I go go out there every day." So oh, okay. Well, <laughs> as it turned out, it was great because the Braves always play well against the Braves, and we played Braves. The, the series against the Braves was coming up, and so it all fit fit perfectly. I got a chance to get the chance to start every day and then play against the Braves. But Marty Brenneman had said something I didn't really think about until later. He said. After I was inserted into the lineup, we won 41 out of 50 games. Yeah. And I, then later on, I said, you know, what was the reason? Was it George Foster or was it George Foster that caused that? <laughs> <laughs> so I never really bragged about it, but now I was like, yeah, because well, we were we were behind the Dodgers, yeah. and the Dodgers had just won that previous year, and jobs were on the line. Sparky may have gotten fired, and they had to make some some, some moves there, and, and in Pete's case, he's a team player, because he had moved from second to the outfield, now from the outfield back to third base, but nobody – realized that why did he move to third base i I gave him a proposal that he couldn't refuse so the next day that's where he was at third base but that's when the big red machine started to rock and roll
0: oh and boy did you guys rock and roll you know when people talk about you back then um beyond the stats they say he was kind of a a a quieter man back then um but not now what happened
1: well at the time it was the it was the it was the calmness before the storm. So, but when I listened to Pete Rose and listened to Joe Morgan. If you were in that, try to be in that conversation, you never would win out. Those guys were, you know, they talked their way into playing the game. That's how they get get psyched up and and hyped up, motivated to play the game. But I'm one that would you know, have to be quiet. I listen to my Al Green music so I can relax. So when the game started, that. I'm focused, but the, being around those guys, you don't have time to talk. You don't give them time to talk. But nowadays, like I'm not around them, so I just say, okay, since Pete's not here, I can say what I want to say. But, but I really start gaining confidence in what I had to say because before some I would say something, and someone said, "You really sure?" So I wasn't really sure of it. But then later on, I said, "Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've spoken. That's right."
0: Wow. Well, who did the, Al Green? By the way, nice.
1: Oh, nice Al, I was to Al Green to relax, and then I listen to James Brown to get up. And oh, like, yeah. I I pitied the pitcher who's going to pitch that day.
0: <laughs> and normally it was the pity of the pitcher who did the, uh, You know the, the you talked about those guys. They were such dynamic personalities, and and you were a guy that was just you know fitting into the lineup, etc. Uh, who did you hang with on the team back then?
1: Well, Ken Griffey Sr. We were we were. A, we were buddies from AAA because when I was sent down to Indianapolis, uh, my roommate was Ken Griffey Sr. And, but this guy, he really made the game fun. Uh, he really enjoyed the game. He was—he he always, when you see him, he had a smile on his face. And I learned to relax and, and, and have fun uh, playing the game. And so when I was brought back up to, to the Reds, Griffey R- was my roommate. So it was great uh, being on the road with him because this guy, I mean, he was he was quiet also, but he was very motivated. He would tell me he's gonna go five for five. When I said, "Yeah, right," he goes five for five. I said, "Well, this guy must know what he's talking about." But having a guy like a Morgan or or Griffey on base, you know, what are you gonna hit as a you batting fourth or fifth? You can get fastballs to hit. So it was great having a guy like Griffey. I said, "Griff, when I if you even if you're on first base, I hit a ball in the gap, you gotta score." I end up, you know, only getting a single because I'm watching him score.
0: <laughs> he could run too, man.
1: Oh, that guy could fly. Oh
0: yeah, he could run. What an athlete. I just you know, I used to I used to just marvel at you guys and it was one of those things where I, I would like pick up every little detail. Just watch every little detail. And I used to love his I don't want to call it a strut, but when he was jogging, he kinda had this cool oh, little
1: I know jog
0: going. He just looked cool
1: that's it he had that strut out yeah there. like yeah you know anytime you know i can take off i can fly my legs are like you know bionic i can really fly and but i just love i marveled at watching him run and you know when he's out there it doesn't seem like he's getting there as quick as you realize but this guy he could fly when he ran third base he started galloping towards home plate i said yeah that that guy has great control, because you go back to his high school, he probably has all the records, basketball or track or football. That guy could fly.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, man, I just – I loved watching every single thing about it. Um, When you uh, look back, um, how much – Pride and joy. I mean, we're not, you know, anyone that wins a World Series, that team is revered. But you guys are even a step above that. You're a, you're listed amongst the best teams to ever play the game. What's it feel like to be a part of that?
1: that? When you plan, you don't really, when you're in the midst of it, you don't really think about it. You're knowing that what you need to do to get, to do your part, the individual commitment for a group effort and. We, like in spring training, you know it's a misnomer these days training. They don't really train when they go to it's like a country club situation. but we went to spring training to train to get ready for the season. We, we took pride in when we went out there to not only perform well as an individual, but what, what we could do to help the, the ball club win. And someone said the other day, you know you were you, you didn't realize it, but you're in the midst of greatness. You know, here was guys MVPs. Uh, we had everything except a Cy Young winner. But we're we're up there in in all these categories. Then they start comparing us to the Yankees, the 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 former Yankee play teams. Like we realized we were good. We didn't realize how good we were until people started talking about us. But we didn't take time to listen to what they had to say. We were still out there striving to perform. We, we felt that we were out there to show the fans uh, a good game, a good time, and and having the fans there having the 30, 30,000 more fans. I mean, they were the 10th man on the field, but we took pride when we went out there to play. And if somebody didn't do something correctly, you, you have the, the big four telling you, Hey, we don't play, we don't do that here. So, but it's a great respect on that ball club. And, and Joe Morgan had said the word class. You may not know how to define it, but you, you know it when you see it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned Joe, um, Obviously, we lost him recently. Um, the yeah, off that, was,
1: that was when I hear that hear that now is like, did that really happen? You know, with this pandemic going on, you didn't get a chance to reach out to when he was sick or reach out to his family. And I mean, not only being a, a friend or teammate, but uh, it, it was it was heart wrenching to hear about hear it happening. And like we thought we were invincible as a big red machine, but then one of our fellow man had had fallen and it's really tough to even think about or talk about the in these days
0: yeah how smart of a player was he
1: oh oh you didn't realize once again you didn't realize how good these guys were because you were busily doing your part and everybody need that i didn't go out and try to steal bases or griffey didn't go out and try to hit home runs you did what you did best and I look back at Joe Martin's stats. I mean, that's unreal. I didn't realize he stole, average that many stolen bases a year. But the only thing I was excited when he stole second is, oh, there's an RBI out there for me. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember one time Joe in San Diego, cause I know I'm gonna get a fastball and the guy threw me a fastball and Joe was still in second. I hit a home run and I thought Joe was gonna be happy for me at the play. He said, man, why don't you let that go? I said, yeah, you see how far it went, I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but he was my mentor because uh I remember one time Sparky had said whoever has the better spring training between me and Cesar and Geronimo and we'll get the starting starting nod and I said okay and now the season starts Geronimo's gonna start and I, I was upset about it And I asked Joe about it and Joe said you know you're you're insurance and if Chief doesn't do well you, you're there Sparky's smart about it but it let me know that being prepared for that opportunity you know don't get upset just be be prepared for that opportunity and and but he was always there to give me that good advice and and I look at Joe I look at Pete Johnny and Tony those guys were they were our our foundation they are the guys that we looked up to uh, they were our mentor but Joe the one that really stood out and when he came over I I said, he's like the Howard Cosell of baseball. He, you have to have a dictionary to to figure out what he's saying.
0: <laughs> he, he was that good. Uh, he was
1: that good, but it was yeah. entertaining to listen to what he had to say. Oh,
0: yeah. Some of my best uh, memories of spring training were just a yearly – it was an annual rite of passage for me, that he would be on that golf cart driving around just checking things out, and we'd get to talking, and an hour later we're still talking. And it was just yeah. – I mean, that I just – you know, someone grew up idolizing all of you – um, that was just so special to me those, those conversations i'll treasure them forever you mentioned yeah, just, i'm sorry go
1: ahead yeah no i was just said that was i just i was talking to someone today and they they're talking about how engaging the players were to fans especially mm-hmm. kids and but that was that was the reds attitude you know we we're, we're going to have a uh, every every game home game we're going to have at least an hour or so that players are going to be signing autographs for the fans and I just felt that's the way it is especially should be especially with the kids yeah. uh, getting them a chance to interact with the with the players and and never know that kid his dream would be become a major league baseball player and same with me with Willie Mays you know uh, I wanted to be a Willie Mays I want to do what he whatever he did and, and these kids need somebody to look up to it and, and we strive to be be the ones
0: you had uh, mentioned working your way into the lineup and you know, a lot of the perception out there is that you basically arrived at nineteen seventy five when Sparky made that switch to get you in the lineup, but you came over from the Giants in what, seventy one?
1: Uh yeah, may of May seventy one.
0: So, you know, you were you were on the squad uh, World Series of nineteen seventy two. Uh what was it like knowing that you had the skills but you couldn't crack that starting lineup?
1: Well, at the time, I didn't – I started to – my confidence started to grow after – I was sent back in 73 to AAA, and it was devastating. But talking to my mom, she was always there to give me great advice too. She said, you know, the game of baseball is something that you, you always wanted to play because at that time I, I was thinking about quitting the game because I felt, well, my dream was to play Major League Baseball. I, I played it she said that, you know, you got more work to do and just, you know, get your mind together and get yourself back to, to spring training. And, and my confidence started growing when I went to winter ball and, and started learning, learning how to hit per se. And playing every day in triple A in 73 gave me a chance to, okay, start to see what I could do and get myself ready, get myself prepared. So when I would I come back to the major leagues I was platooned somewhat, but I started to, to learn to hit hit pitchers. Joe Knoxall was the guy that really helped me. Uh, being a left-hander, the ball usually going to tail away, but it helped me to hit the ball to right field more. And I was pulling the ball a lot, and so the slider or the off-speed pitch, I wasn't wouldn't, I wouldn't driving as well. But in 74, I started playing better. Then 75 was uh, being platooned, and, and like I said, I – I enjoyed. It. I had my Jerry curl. I was look like, people thought I was Billy D Williams in the dugout because, you know, take my hat off. Hey, Billy D Williams, he's playing for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh no, that's George Foster. who Wanted to be a be Billy D Williams. So that that day, uh, Sparky called me in, and like, it was like, like I said early. I, you know, I was I was enjoying playing every fourth or fifth day, but now I had to go out there every day. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it for you, Sparky so okay but that's that's when it all started though but being prepared talking to willie mays you know you got to be prepared for that opportunity and some guys you know you complain about the fact that you're not playing but you got to be prepared so even if you're not physically in the game keep yourself mentally in the game because so sparky may call on you to pinch hit or pinch run whatever but try to do the best that you possibly can
0: wow talking to willie mays
1: yeah, Willie Mays. It was it was, you know, here's my idol, the guy I grew up with, uh, as far as wanting to be as such and to get a chance to play for the San Francisco Giants alongside Willie Mays and Bobby Bond, Jimmy Hart, Willie McCovey, all those guys. I mean I mean, but like, oh man, I didn't want to take batting practice with those guys. I wanna pitch take batting practice with the pitchers because those guys are launching the ball into the bleachers and at the time i was just hitting you know single base hits and i I think i hit with the pitchers but no you're gonna hit with (laughs) willie mays group i I don't want to (laughs)
0: wow you also mentioned Nuxy had helped you uh Uh, are you referring to you know he threw batting practice as a lefty so is that what helped you the those sessions
1: those sessions help me because I like say learning the outside hitting zone that strike mm-hmm. being able to drive the ball to the right center. So now when I'm facing a right hander throwing that breaking ball, I'm able to hit get that muscle memory to drive the ball to the right center. And but I love 'Cause he threw strikes and he was there to help you. Believe it or not, you have some guys who throw in batty practice, they're trying to get you out. I thought you're on the you're on my team, you know, why are you trying to get me out? But Joe <laughs> Nuxall, he didn't care care because he was there to try to help you to get better. And then with the slider, the left handed slider, a lot of guys they they try to pull that pitch, but I what I the term that I use, I know it's different today than than when we played, they talk about getting your hands inside, but I said, Keep the bat Bat between the ball and your body that help you to stay on the pitch longer. Cause I was uh, hitting against Valenzuela, he had that screwball and the slider, and I fouled off, which I don't usually foul off that many eight or nine pitches. And he finally threw me that slider, it was like I didn't know he had a slider until I saw it going out of left field as a home run. <laughs> but Joe Knoxaw was uh, he was great there, and he was he was my locker buddy right next to me. We always talk baseball and. Andy I always talk about how well I hit the ball to right center, and I don't know if the time I said to him I give you credit for doing that, but but I, I love having him throwing batting practice.
0: I loved that they gave Nuxie a locker, and your I didn't know your locker was right next to him.
1: Yeah, right next to him. Wow, that's a tra- that was a treat.
0: Yeah, that's a tremendous influence because if you you know there are some people when I need just a dose of goodness, uh, like I'll call like George Grant. Like George, mm-hmm. I just need some. Just give me some George Grant.
1: I <laughs> just yeah.
0: this world's you know beating me down. Uh, he had yeah. to be kind of like that for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's the well, the thing is, is that you know he he knew my swing, and I I trusted what he would say. He said, well, you know that 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 certain pitch, uh, or say a, a guy's a lefty was pitching that night. He said, okay. This guy, you know, likes to come inside or, you know, just work on the things that continue working on the things we did in batting practice. You'll be fine. And then, then in the post-game show, you know, yeah, Yahtzee, you you did what you said you're gonna do. No, I said no, Joe, I did what you said I should do. <laughs> but he, but we, he was always there giving that support.
0: Yeah, you broke out in '76, drove in 121, but 1977. I mean, when you look at the numbers you put up in 1977. Uh, Everyone talks about the 52 home runs and the 149 RBIs. I said 149 RBIs. Uh, I was an
1: underachiever, though. I underachieved that year. I needed 150 RBIs. I needed 200 hits. And I I would hitting 300, hitting 50 or more RBI, 50 or more home runs, 200 more hits, 150 RBIs or more. I would have been... In the class of uh, Babe Ruth to, to be able to do that, but the thing is, I just wanted to be consistent that particular year, and, and but I wanted to play. I mean, when the season was over, I said, "Is that it? I, I still can play." You know, I want to play some more. Let's you know go like the uh, having an all-star game, all-star team that traveled the world. You know, this swing, this swing is I want to make sure that I savor this swing. But of course, you know, I look back when talk people talk about that year, but I was focused on more of the the journey and 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 how much better can I be
0: Well athletes of your caliber I always love when you bring up like a season like this and the first thing you think of was wow I didn't get 200 hits and I should have got 150 RBI Yeah it's one you, RBI more you three came more one hits You had 197 hits so it's not like yeah, you you but, fell way short and you hit 320 that year
1: 320 Well, that part I was proud of it, Hitting for average, not only hitting for power, but hitting for average. You have guys may hit for average, but not power and vice versa. But being able to put up 50-plus home runs and still hit 300 or better, that's hitting.
0: Yeah, all no doubt your OPS was 1.013. Just a tremendous season, one of the best seasons we've ever seen. Well, then,
1: like, what is OPS at the time? Like, I don't know what OPS is. It must be good because they said it's top in the league.
0: Well, if you're above one, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, especially when you played in 158 games. It's not like you sat out a lot. 158. No, on the I board.
1: wanted to play as as many games. I mean, getting to that point to play on a regular basis. I Griffin, and I didn't want to sit out. We wanted to play.
0: Yeah. Let's put 1977 George Foster in Great American Ballpark. How many home oh. runs? How many home runs would you hit?
1: Uh. Well, I tell people, I tell people I hit probably about 70 at all-star break. <laughs> if they pitch to me at that park, I could hit a check swing, hit it out of that ballpark. Not not to downgrade or discredit these guys, but I see guys hitting off the field home runs up in the bleachers like, what?
0: Oh, yeah, fly balls, those first real they're home fly runs. Fly
1: ball. I remember Brandon Fields hit a – A ball to right center. He broke his bat. He was upset, and the ball ended up in about the second tier of bleachers. (laughs) Like, what? Or even Frazier, you know, throw the bat at the ball.
0: Yeah. Oh, I listen. I
1: I say, are the balls juiced or or what?
0: Well, that's a different story. Uh, I think for a period of time, yes. Uh, Changing the ball this season, ironically. I didn't, I said that. You didn't say that. Okay uh I've you know I'm down the field a lot and I it's always amazing to me when former players come back and they walk out of that dugout onto the field and then they get their first look at great American ballpark uh I'll never yeah. forget like Brett Boone was one of them. He walked out there and he's like he looked at the fences, he's like, oh man, I would have loved to have played here. I would mm. love to have played here.
1: I mean it was like going to Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. Oh, yeah, I I just get the ball in the air. Get the ball in the, oh, But back in Triple I played in, uh, well, better yet, Montreal. The wind was blowing out left field or right field, one of those fields. So you just hit the ball in the air. You got a home run.
0: Wow. what? Do you have one ball that you hit that was your favorite, that either felt the best or um, hit the farthest? Do you have one that you like, wow, that was the truest well, home the, run I ever hit?
1: Well, the – the best, the one that felt the best is against the Dodgers. We ended up winning the game one to nothing against Beautiful. Andy Manser Smith. And he he threw a two hitter and yes, yes, I know you're gonna ask. Yes, I got both of the hits. And he had one of the best change ups close to Mario Soto as best change ups in the game. So I think he threw me a maybe it's a fastball and I hit it line drive up the middle. And then he threw me the change up left, hit it over the left field wall. And, but when I, to this day, I would ask, I wanted to ask Dusty Baker, where were you going on that ball? And it, cause you needed a ticket to catch that ball. <laughs> so, so we ended up winning the game one to nothing, but I know, I'd say he threw a two two hitter and I think he won like 20 games that year with the Dodgers, but that was it, – it's, it's like you're prepared for it, prepare, prepare, prepared for greatness that particular day. And being in, in California against the Dodgers and my family and friends were there, I mean, that was exciting.
0: You needed a ticket to catch that ball.
1: You needed that. It's like, <laughs> where are you going? That ball was taking off. Didn't even have a flight attendant on that ball. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love it. How about defensively? The play in the 75 World Series, is that the be- The throw you made? Is that the best defensive play you ever made? Maybe mm, not the best, yeah, the most important. Started, most
1: important. Well, uh, yeah, best and important. It started in the Dominican Republic. Uh, in Dominican, you, when I first had gone there, they had guys with machine guns, military guys with machine guns around the dugout. And I'm thinking that hey, it's going to be a, a, a revolt happening here Some Someone is, 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 is is someone trying to take over and they want to protect the, the players and, and, but as it turned out, they were protecting the players from the fans because the fans would, would bet on the game. And if you make a play or your team, the team that they bet on lose, they may come out on the field with whatever they have in their hands or bat or whatever. And so they had guys with machine guns around the dugout. So now I'm in. We're playing um, the Dodgers team, uh, Lise, and so I'm playing right field. Bases loaded, one out, and a ball was hit down the right field line. It was foul ball. but So I let the ball drop, and the fans gave me a cascade of boos because I let it drop. But I felt if I would have caught it, I couldn't have made the throw home to get the guy out. All right. So then, now the next pitch, the guy threw a ground ball. We got a double play. I I went from a goat to the hero because that was calculated. I said, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to catch it. So now in the World Series, that I'm going in for the play, so I'm I'm getting closer to the plate. But if I were going back, I would let it go because it's bases loaded at the time, and even though Fred Lynn was the batter, but I'm going in, and but being able to catch the ball on my throwing side, and with my chest facing the stands, it gave me a good chance to make a throw to the plate but not knowing late to later that the ball went right it was perfect went right by his shoulder or his head just a little to the right it would have nicked his helmet or his shoulder and of course it made the ball be off course but then as it turned out it was that one hopper to the plate and and johnny back being back there with so much so many skills he was able to make that one hand grab and, and tag him out. Yeah. Only re, only regret it was a it was a brand new ball and I got, got end up getting uh, grass stain on the ball, but uh, it turned out good. Just that one hop to the plate and give Johnny a chance to make that good play. Oh, it was
0: a huge play. I remember watching it live and I nearly jumped through the ceiling on that because it was kind of unexpected. It was just like
1: wow. Well, well the thing is, is that they never really show back then any web gems. Yeah. No defensive plays. It was more right. offensive. And then I, I was doing baseball camps and, and I'm telling the kids how to play the outfield. They look at me like, oh, we never knew that you were a defensive player. And I, how can you tell us about playing the outfield? And lo and behold, they showed that, that video that night and the kids came back asking me, hey, how'd you make that play? How'd you make that play? Can you teach us how to do it? But it was like great timing. So someone backed up the fact that I knew something about playing the outfield. <laughs> well, heck, yeah. You
0: uh, you had to be a two-way player back then.
1: Um, oh, yeah. That's the fun part about it. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you able to play defense. And if you didn't do well on offense, you can somewhat make up on on defense. Mm-hmm. But you get a chance. When I played center field back my first full year in 69, I didn't play it as good as Gary Maddox. Gary Maddox, he's a guy that whatever the Pacific Ocean or Atlantic Ocean didn't cover, he did. But I I took pride in playing center field, and nothing was going to drop, nothing was going to get in unless it went over the fence.
0: All right, hold that thought. More with George Foster right after this.
1: Congratulations.
0: You found that special someone to spend the rest of your life with. You two will have lots of new adventures and some new responsibilities. So now's a good time to think about life insurance to help protect your new family. At Western and Southern Life, we translate what's complicated to help make life insurance simple. It's easy to get started. Connect with one of our financial representatives today at westernsouthern.com slash life. Compensated endorser, Western and Southern Life Insurance Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. You had mentioned Joe Morgan, talked a little bit about Ken Griffey Sr., uh, if I just mentioned some guys on the team, what was it like to be around them or maybe even something humorous that comes to your mind or right off the top of your head? If I mentioned Johnny bench.
1: Oh man, Johnny, you know, I, I tried to Johnny and Tony try to pattern myself after them as fours, not really competing, but if I felt if I could have in the same as far as home runs or RBIs at the end of the season, I knew I would have a good year. Johnny, I always say with Johnny, he controlled – he was power at the plate, on both sides of the plate, in the batter's box and behind the plate. Nobody would want to steal – try to steal on Johnny. So he had control of that aspect, and and he was a great leader. And here's a guy – because I remember – when I was with the Giants, Willie Mays, McCovey, those guys would come out. They, they want to watch him take batting practice. So yeah, we want to watch this kid. They said, this kid's going to, he's phenomenal. We want to, he's a phenom. We want to go watch him take batting practice. And like, who is this Johnny Bench? And, and, but they, he, they were showing, they were showing praise about Johnny. Even it was back. Yeah. When 71, when I was with the Giants and, but you have a Willie Mays, McCovey, and those guys, and Bobby Bonds wanted to see Johnny. I said, this guy must be a special player.
0: Wow, they wanted to come out and see him hit. That's cool. They
1: came out to see And usually those guys are sitting around listening yeah. you know, to music and talking. Oh, no, we got to get dressed. You know, got to go out and watch him take batting. Wow, racks. and like,
0: he's like a teenager, barely, I mean, just. Yeah, he I mean, just,
1: I think, maybe, what, two or three yeah, years was, in? But.
0: Yeah, he was like 20, 21 then. Wow.
1: But they were saying, "Oh, we gotta watch this guy." We got in Marshall and <laughs> Gaylord Perry. Said, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, when Gaylord Perry was with the San Diego Padres, and Gaylord told them, "Do not watch those guys take batting practice. All you're gonna do is get you get gonna get intimidated." Really? So the guys they get they went off the field, but we could see them peeking around the wall and we just start launching balls launching launching and now they when the game start they don't want to throw strikes i said man just throw i don't just need one just give me one <laughs> yeah. they, they, but they didn't want to get in bears that said i told you guys not to watch them take batting practice <laughs> great
0: how about tony perez
1: oh uh, tony uh, look, I know Doug played, Well, I use the word catalyst. Tony was the catalyst on the on the ball club, and I took pride in trying to be like a Tony, being being a clutch hitter, uh, being able to get drive that run in with two outs or drive that important run in. He, this guy, you talking about being clutch. He, when you, when the game's on the line, you want Tony Perez up there, averaging 90 plus RBIs a year. But with two strikes, he's one of the best hitters I've I've seen. And and but I I I went to the point when I rebuilt my swing is try to pattern it out, model it after Tony Perez, and being able to really? especially hit hit the ball the right center, uh, knowing that I can hit the ball the right center so that when I get two strikes it's no big deal. But it, with my stance, I you know I just I try to emulate Tony Perez, and that's that's the guy that I use his swing as as a foundation.
0: Davy Concepcion.
1: Here's a guy that hadn't, he should be in the hall of fame. And it, it's a tragedy that is, is not there. Hopefully one day he will get in the hall of fame, but playing shortstop, you don't, you don't have to worry about shortstop. He's going to do, it. he does something different each day and, and great range at short. And, and, and that year we, I think it was 76. He had guys in the lineup. He's, he's batting eighth, I guess, or seventh or eighth and hitting 300. Yeah. This guy not only could feel it hit and, and he had good speed. So he he could do it all. And I'd say well, hopefully these these uh, voters one day would put him in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, you look at how deep that lineup was. You know, I, I recently watched the 76 World Series over again. And, that you know, Johnny Bench had a an off regular season. He had dealt with some injuries as well. So he was hitting seventh. Yeah. I mean, you're rolling Johnny Bench out there hitting seventh. Are you kidding me? And then Concepcion and Geronimo could hit as
1: well. They hit for average. But it's back to that word. We were we played as a team. And like Sparky said, no egos are allowed here. Leave your ego at the door. So we were out there doing what we could do to help the ball club win, and a lot of guys who in the status of a Johnny Bench would say, "No, I'm not going to bat lower than that." But he, he left this, forgot about pride or ego because he wanted to do what he could do to help the ball club win. But he still, he still was dangerous at the plate. You know, he still could well, drive the ball out of, out of the ballpark. World Series
0: and, MVP, batting Yeah. Solid.
1: Man. but I someone said the other day you guys had three fourth place hitters in your lineup. And I, I never did think of it that way than yeah. in Johnny Tony and myself, but I always look at the fact that we had three power hitters back to back. They can't pitch around all three. No. They can pitch around one but not the other two. Right. And I was I, when I came up there to the plate, bases loaded and and or been on deck and say, "Man, first base was open." I'm on deck and they can and the manager gesture four fingers to the pitcher to, to walk him. like, Okay, you you haven't seen bad, but it's coming. And so <laughs> so the new pitcher comes in and throws I said, I only need you only need to throw nine pitches, eight to warm up and the first one to me. <laughs> so the first pitch to me, straight away center, grand slam. Run around the bases and wave to the the, the uh manager that like, hey job well done thank you thank you I appreciate it <laughs> when the when the bases are loaded no, I don't want one RBI two RBI I want all of them. I want to be greedy I want to drive all those guys in especially on a hot day I know they don't want to be standing out there in the sun so I'll come there and rescue them
0: <laughs> That's so kind hearted of you <laughs>
1: oh yeah it's a teammate you know being a teammate team player
0: yeah you know, those that didn't experience or weren't alive then, um, you talk about the phenomenon that was the big red machine, but it wasn't just here in Red's country. You guys were a national team. And when you went on the road to visiting cities, it was it was a happening. Um uh, yeah. what was it
1: like? Oh, uh, it was I mean, it was it was like we were a um uh a singing group so to speak because we were dressed to the t we're like gq dressed. oh yeah i've talked about that often and we took pride though in representing not only the reds but baseball and of course pete he was the forefront of being the best dresser on the team but everybody else fell in line you want but it was a policy that you got to wear a sport coat so we say, OK, might as well just, you know, do our thing and we'll go to Atlanta, get brand new shoes. And we we, we, were, we had our wardrobe together. And now we go to the ballpark. I remember going to Dodger Stadium, you know, they're talking and everything. And then all of a sudden they see us. That everybody was quiet. It's when they had the commercial when EF Hutton talks. Everybody's quiet. Listen. <laughs> People listen. So, uh, oh, no, the big red machines here, they got to beat up on our Dodgers. They got to. But we were like, yeah, here we are. I, what you gonna do now?
0: You were smooth looking, man.
1: Oh, man. We we wanted to look the part. And like, say, with Griff, he had that swagger. Like, oh, we want to be like, yeah, that, we want to be cool. It's like we listen to the temptation as we walk and Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, man. All right. But
1: I just, it's like... Uh, you know, these guys have their walk-up music and everything. Oh, yeah. I just I just wish that, you know, if you're going to have a walk-up music, you got to do a little dance when you go up to the plate, and I, a little, little swagger or something, and I just walk up there. But but I get more into it, seeing, okay, yeah, yeah, here we go, war. What is it good for? Things and such, a James Brown, get on up, yeah.
0: Would that be but your walk-up got, song, James Brown, or what would it be?
1: It probably would be the... Uh, I had to take I had it the other day, uh probably some, 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 some music from uh from Prince or or maybe the Usher or it's just a, a abundance of different sounds. It, it it depends on the mood that particular day, but I just knowing that it the music's in my head, so it, it, it gives you that timing and that rhythm when you go up to the plate. I remember playing against the pirates, Jerry Royce was pitching and I hit a Griffey was on base, and I hit a pop up to the catcher. And I told him, I said, "Man, get on base, get on base." I got it. I got. It. He looked at me like, "You just popped up to the catcher. What do you got?" I said, "I got it. I got it." The next two times up, I hit home runs—a two-runner in a, in a, in a and a and a solo—and and well, I end up driving in five runs. And the thing that I I got to get that tape instead of saying the Reds five and the Pirates one, Marty said Foster five and the Pirates one. <laughs> i love that
0: <laughs> so you would actually do a little dance coming to the plate if you had walk-up music you saying that in uh, jest or would you do a little strike? no
1: because i remember i was at the plate this is this is back in the we but for us though i mean for now you can do it yeah. but when we played, we couldn't do it oh if no you get do, one in your ear if hole if we wanted a baseball in our ear and our ribs yeah go ahead and do it but today you know it's it, it's so relaxed they, they, those, those guys would, would could do it i was at the plate but this is after i retired the guy threw a pitch inside on me and i i started i was doing the salsa to get out of the way and i said oh man this is cool been doing the salsa up to the plate this is a good way to get out of the way of the pitch and, and of course the guy said okay It's like you 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 gonna do that? They they threw me the next pitch, and I, you know, hit a hit a home run, and they'll take my little step towards first. I I wanted to be able to do the salsa from home plate to 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 first, and do do the cha cha from second from first to second, and just do a dance at each place.
0: (laughs) You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see you hit nowadays, and I'd like to see a George Foster bat flip.
1: Uh, well the only reason I did the black I'm oh, sorry the the bat flip because to irritate the pitcher because I was being walked a lot. Yeah. And so I I flipped the bat in the air and this guy comes to mind Jim Rooker with the Pirates. I he walked me and I flipped it in the air and he walked down to the first base and he said, "Don't you ever do that again." And I said, "Well, throw the ball over the plate." <laughs> and so now we so now we go to Pittsburgh and I know his best pitch was a changeup. So he threw me a fastball right down the middle. He's like, up. That's free to go. I I, I don't want that. I don't want that. So he threw me a next pitch changeup. I hit a line drive. It hit off the the front row seat in left field. And uh, Ed Ott said, man, that George Foster, man, he's going to kill people hitting home runs. (laughs) And so after the inning was over, Jim Rooker said, good hitting. I said, you would come off better by walking me. Yeah. (laughs) I wasn't scared. Yeah,
0: but would you – I mean, you couldn't do that back when you played, like you said, when you hit a home run to flip the bat. But you could today. uh, What would your yeah? What would your bat flip be like today? Because you're you know you're kind of allowed to do it in most circles nowadays.
1: Well, just to be nothing flamboyant, just making sure that after hit the home run, oh oh, yeah, I had to give my i think you eric davis a little skip and then flip the yeah. bat halfway down
0: yeah
1: and then do my dave parker rounding wet rounding all the way towards first base dugout right if we if we're in first, on that side maybe giving the guys high five if I like, go oh, by yeah that, but you can do literally anything nowadays you oh, nothing's yeah. gonna happen
0: i used to love when parker would do that man yeah oh. <sighs>
1: I mean, that was just... Well, who's going to throw at Dave Parker? Well,
0: who's going to challenge him at anything? I mean... Yeah. That is a, a big, awesome dude. Uh, and he, like you said, that little thing that Davis Eric Davis did was was cool as well. Very
1: smooth, yeah. Very I, smooth. I, I played tennis, and, and, and the guy was the instructor working with me, and he said, you know, my dad liked you as a player. Uh, and I'm like, Yeah. I'm thinking that he liked me too. He said, yeah, but I like Eric Davis because he's so cool. You know, <laughs> you see, like he's just falling asleep up at the plate and then all of a sudden, the <laughs> bat explode. The ball explode off his bat. I said, man, and, and I wanted to bring him to one of the shows with Eric Davis, but I got an autograph for him. I said, yeah, I like that Eric Davis. He's so cool out there.
0: <laughs> I love how you say cool. But he was, and it was like he was asleep. His stance, he's holding the bat low. He's barely like. It's like it it's barely so in his hands, and then all of a sudden,
1: So relaxed, Just, yeah. It was great. Did uh, you try to think you can sneak it by him. Like, I, I got you.
0: Yeah. Any players that you uh, really like to watch today, nowadays?
1: Uh, I, Mike Trout, the guy that really stands out. But this year, I mean, well, this past season, because I didn't see him much, this guy, he's a – I don't know well, I was gonna say I don't know if you watch tennis, but uh you have Federer and you have these guys that they can do extraordinary things. Mookie Betts for the Dodgers. Oh, I yeah. love this guy. Not only uh at the bat on base, but out in the outfield. Mm-hmm. This guy, I don't know. He all of a sudden like uh his arms extend or his legs get longer, but he he could do it out there. Just he's a, he's great to watch play the game.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt, and uh, you know I still have the the dislike of the Dodgers back from your era, so it's it's tough for me. Even though they're in a different division now, it's tough that he's a Dodger because he is fun to watch.
1: Yeah, but that was a drawing card, the Dodgers and the Reds oh, when you in the same division. Oh yeah, because you you fill up the stadium, both stadium, but now it's like okay. Yeah, they're they're in the other division. They they're not as not important, but uh, yeah, but things like when Ron says it, if if they catch us, I'll eat I'll eat my hat. So after we caught him, we said, "Hey, what do you want? What what do you want? Uh, salt or pepper on your or both on your hat?"
0: <laughs> hey, in the seventies, man, when uh, my whole family Reds fans, so we would the schedule would come out, and we'd be one of those. the The day it comes out. Um, there was always a doubleheader with the Dodgers. Um, always a doubleheader. It was the first thing it was like, call up. You know, they had to call back then. Call up or get a doubleheader with the Dodgers. That's the definitely the day we're going. Um, yeah. So it was.
1: Oh, but my sorry. earlier days with the Reds, I didn't realize. I said, what is going on? I thought it was a convention or something. There were people around the building. Seraphon Gibson Hotel, they were around the building to get into the hotel. Like, Oh, and then i I was on the 10th floor now I got to take the stairs because it was all the elevator was always busy so I learned from there you know at least the third floor you don't have to walk up as many stairs
0: <laughs> that is true hey uh nowadays you're 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 a Cincinnati guy right
1: still c- oh yeah I made sure there nobody else at the time. I Johnny Vince was the last one to leave Cincinnati. I said, that's it. I'm the only one, only big red machine left. If you guys want to come back in, you got to you gotta pay to get back in.
0: <laughs> I love that. So obviously you've taken a liking to Cincinnati. Cincinnati is your home.
1: Oh, uh, that the people are great. The fans are great. And when I played here, it, it's just so family oriented. And when you walk down the street or in the grocery store, wherever, you know, they're they're there. The, 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 I mean, they're sincere, mm-hmm. and they're not saying something just to say it. But they, it's like you, you, you're family, yeah. and it's like whatever you need or whatever you want, you know, let me know. It's and it's to them, it's like that's they're saying something that they're gonna follow through on.
0: And you're involved uh, with some youth baseball, right? I was checking out. Uh, what is it, Foster's Force? Can you? Ex- oh yeah, yeah.
1: Explain what you're
0: involved with there.
1: Well, it's uh, Foster Force. I started with them at least six or seven years ago. and but it, it's on the the Jack, Jackie Robinson uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. and they were talking about there're not that many black ball players playing the game. So instead of just talking about it, so I'm gonna go out there and, and, and coach a team and work with these kids and and try to get them some visibility, get some exposure and develop them. So it, that's where it came from. I want to get involved in trying to develop the youth, and at the time, getting the, the black ball player an opportunity to play and going with uh, guys like uh, uh, Quincy Jones and uh, these other musicians saying that, you know, players want to be what they see. So they, they only see basketball or football. They only see that or you only see a musician. So you're going to want to be that. So he's trying to get spread the 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 word about baseball and baseball is not an easy, not an easy sport to learn. And it's more expensive than any other sport, but being able to get them opportunities to play, and that was that's been my my game plan, and 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 work with these kids through through high school.
0: How do you? It's so tough now. I mean, you not only have an uphill battle, obviously, with minority players, um, but just children in general in baseball, just because of maybe the pace of it, and there's so many other distractions, and so many other things that they can be involved with. Um, how do you get them interested? Because it's still such a great game.
1: Well, it's it start by working with them and and building their confidence about it. And like I said, baseball, like Ted Williams said, baseball is the toughest. Hitting is one of the toughest things to do. Mm-hmm. And but being able to teach them how to do certain things so they can have that confidence and believe believe they can do it. Yeah, you you're going to be competing against football, basketball. Uh, but the thing is, if they learn how to play the game of baseball, I think they will enjoy it more. And they have these academies in Latin America. These guys eat, sleep, and think think baseball. Yeah. But here in the United States, I know there are so many other sports. But being able to not only get them to get their grades up, but, but also to the point that they maybe get scholarships. But being able to get them to get to college because college is the – the hotbed for Major League Baseball now—you don't mm-hmm. see many guys come out, out out of high school. Right. So, but being able to work with these guys to get them to that level, and giving them the expertise that I know about the game, and, and hopefully with Ken Griffey Jr. and with the commissioner, that something will start to happen, uh, getting committees that in each Major League city, and and start a program to see what you have out there. Like basketball, they went. International and found players. They there was a reason why they want to go play international to see what talent that they have there. So you got to see what talent that's there, but you got to provide provide a, a venue to, to help these kids to be be become more, I guess, uh, understanding the game and, and and be getting more exposure about it.
0: I think it's great that you're involved in that, and it's huge, like you said, that junior is involved with the commissioner. I think that's going to go a long way. Barry Larkin is in the fold with the Reds, is actually going to be one of my television colleagues this this season. Um, and just guys like that, the magnitude of a George Foster, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, Eric Davis, that these kids can look up to, I just think is, is tremendous and long, long overdue.
1: Well, I just hope it's not just just the face and, and that – with Griffey, his, the face, the, the, uh, he has the face, he has the, the notoriety, he has the, the uh, credentials, but now being able to implement that yeah. in, in Barry's case, it's going to be great to to talk, talk baseball. And now you're going to get more listeners, uh, from the black community listening because right. he's there. They want to hear him. And I, I, I just knowing that, uh, Oh, you remember when Jackie Robinson broke in and, and, uh, Ricky knew that the fact that they maybe not known that it, that it was going to happen, but it was economics really played a big part in it. Because you find that now you got all the Negro leagues ended, and most of the the fans start coming and watching Jackie Robinson. So it's the same thing now as being able to go out there and show your face, talk to these kids, shake their hands, uh, work with them on certain aspects of the game. And that goes a long ways because they're going to idolize that person.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You're involved with some nonprofit as well, right?
1: Well, it's my uh, George Foster, Foster Safety Youth. We work for inner city kids and military kids, but it's teaching them life skills through baseball or through sports. And I find a lot of kids, you know, they got to learn, learn how to learn life. And through debate, if they love baseball, at the same time you get a chance to teach learning life and learning baseball, learning whatever sport. But you're able to get their attention and get them on uh, the right, right and productive and constructive path. Because there's so many ways you can go out there, and but try to let them know, give them a choice. You want to go left or right? Left is not good. Right is good. But let them know what the reasons are. And but these kids you know they they're hungry to learn they're hungry to to get better but just have that process sit that process in, into motion
0: i think it's tremendous and uh you know sports is a metaphor for life um yeah i like that i mean it is true and to give kids direction i know myself as a kid i got caught up in the wrong things and it was really sports that kept me on the right path to at least make something of myself. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you're involved with the youth. How can people get more information about I, I want to get out what you're doing? The Foster well, Safe can, Safe Youth Network, correct?
1: Yeah, Foster Safe Youth Network or you can call the number 513 886 5300. That is great. But but what I uh <laughs> a lot of codes you don't know but what what I play against another team that has uh black players and i said ah i'm gonna get that kid and the reason is because i feel like i can teach that kid more than that that coach is teaching him mm-hmm. and i can see i can see the skill level that 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 guy can to can arrive to and i had a i know a couple of guys on my team that you you start to i said this guy because he's a senior or junior at the time, I said, this guy, he's going to be good as a pitcher. It's like it's more more of too late to teach the other part, but he can get there by by his arm. And that's why also is that Griffey Jr., they need to focus, or the commissioners often need to focus on the 10- to 13-year-olds because you give them a six to seven years right there to get them, get them prepared, not only uh, athletically but academically. So to get them on that right track. Now there were some guys who are who are in their teens that you could that are they are phenoms that you can get there. But the the group that you should focus on it that, that younger group ten to thirteen.
0: Well, it's tremendous, George. I uh, applaud you for that. And uh, again, anyone that wants to get involved it is the Foster Safe Youth Network. Network. That is outstanding and this has been an outstanding episode i appreciate you coming on uh hopefully we'll be through this pandemic soon enough and i'll come around the corner and i'll hear that voice just <laughs> ripping into me because i miss missed
1: that <laughs> that was fun and it was fun to me but not to you no well for those i know i I saw you change direction (laughs) you would be going one way and then oh no there he is (laughs) i absolutely avoided you let's let
0: people in on this a good year ballpark spring training you're out there you're you're signing autographs on the main concourse in a table and inevitably i have to walk by i'm walking all over the stadium and i you know, I'd walk by, and you'd rip me in front of everyone. The next day, you'd rip me in front of everyone. And it got to the point it where like it's
1: stronger. Build it character. It does. Uh, <laughs> but, you know,
0: ripping someone privately is one thing. But in front of a bunch of fans is a different thing. But. Hey,
1: hey, you know, you got to go with the gusto. Don't just, you know, keep it private. That's true.
0: But I miss that, my friend. So hopefully soon enough, you'll be tearing into me, and I'll wear it like a badge of honor.
1: No, I, I Vicky said, "Leave him alone. He's gonna be crying. Leave him alone." <laughs> oh no,
0: don't no, no cry. <laughs> Gotta have thick skin in this business. Tr- trust me. So uh, yeah hey all all the best to you and yours and uh again thanks for coming on i really appreciate
1: it no i enjoy it thanks for coming let me be on there be on the show
0: yes sir we'll have to do it again that
1: is the great george
0: foster everyone and once again spread the word thanks for hanging out with us here on the Jim day podcast and we will see you on down the road